0: evening as well. Love you, love your church, and I appreciate the invitation tonight. In fact, I'm uh, really doubly blessed tonight. It's always good to be invited uh, somewhere to preach, but it's uh, especially exciting to be invited back to preach somewhere. And so I'm doubly blessed tonight because I've preached here in Temple before, and I've preached for Brother Reggie last summer in Zachary, and so I'm, I'm blessed in both of those ways. I have figured out, though, that I'm going to have to start asking better questions when Reggie calls in the future. Uh, last year, he had me come on the Monday night before he had Fred Luter preach and Zachary. And uh, then I understand he's got Junior Hill coming So uh, next, uh, on next Monday night. So I am going to have to start asking better, better questions. But I am delighted to be with you all uh, tonight. Um, I don't think I've, I said this last time, but kind of grew up coming coming this way, not all the way this way, but my grandparents uh, on my dad's side, uh, his mother and stepfather lived in Jonesboro, and so I kind of grew up coming up Highway 167, and my grandmother passed away uh, about 15, 17 years before my uh, grandfather passed away, and so spent early part of my adult life, just coming, a lot of times just by myself, uh, to see my my grandfather. And we always had the same conversation, Reggie. At lunchtime, I'd say, well, Papa, you ready to go get something to eat? And he would always say, well, yeah, I guess we'd go up to Ruston and eat at Captain D's. (laughs) Every single time. Every single, is it still open? It's still open. I'm surprised by that, actually. <laughs> now, the only reason I'm saying that is because, understand, that I'm from Lafayette. And we have the best seafood in the world. And it doesn't quite measure up to Captain D. The, the manager of Captain D's doesn't, doesn't worship here, I hope. it doesn't. <laughs> I forget about telling things like that. You, know, you don't know what kind of stuff you're gonna, problems you're going to get into. So anyway, I was thinking about that on the way up uh, this afternoon. And I bring you greetings from Lafayette. I don't know if you know this, but it's recently been reported in the news that Lafayette has been deemed by not just a poll of of folks, but by an academic of an Ivy League school who did did research on this, the happiest place in America. So I bring you greetings tonight. (laughs) From the happiest place in the whole United States. Dr. Rick loved Lafayette, didn't he, John N. He, uh, he did. He loved to eat. He loved to shop. Uh, he got a ticket in Lafayette. He called me up and said, did you know that you'd get a ticket for changing lanes without using your signal in Lafayette? He got a ticket for changing lanes without... Of course, what he didn't tell is that you know he saw the bookstore and just zoomed across traffic right into... Right into the bookstore. It was it was calling calling his name. So good good times and good and good memories. Well, let's take God's word tonight, and I uh, know that's what we've come for. And I want to invite you to turn with me to the New Testament book of 2 Timothy. It's a letter. Uh, we call it a book, I guess, most times when we refer to books of the Bible. But in its uh, origin, Second uh, Timothy is a letter, very personal letter. What do we do with these? Personal letters of uh, uh, of the Bible that seem to be so specific and so specialized between two two people. Well, right here in the book of Second Timothy, not at the passage we're going to look at tonight, but in later in chapter three of Second Timothy, the Bible says that all Scripture is inspired by God and is therefore profitable for our teaching, for our training, for our instruction, for our uh, reproof in in Christ Jesus, and so. These what seem like very personal letters become our letters, used by the Holy Spirit to encourage us and to instruct us, and that's how I pray that God will use this tonight. If we were to consider the entire letter, which we should because that's how Paul meant it to Timothy it's a letter with a call, I think, to persevere, to persevere. Now, Paul, by this point in writing the letter, knows a great deal about perseverance. As a matter of fact, we, we believe that uh, Paul writes to Timothy from prison. And so, uh, Paul's message and encouragement about perseverance is more than just theory. It's more than just a letter. But it is testimonial as he writes from prison. Why is he in prison? Of course, because of the preaching of the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. And by the time we come to chapter 2, verse 8, Paul has already outlined to Timothy kind of the basic foundation to persevere. He's reminded him of his faith, a faith first found in his grandmother and and mother. He's laid out that basic foundation of faith to, to know what he believes and to build upon what he believes and ultimately to guard what he believes against all of those who might be sharing something different. He's, uh, in chapter 2, given some word pictures about perseverance in the form of uh, people that we would resonate well with, an an athlete, and a soldier, and a farmer, all showing in their work the need to persevere in all all things. And we come to chapter 2, verse 8, and And I think in a crescendo-like way, Paul offers this encouragement to Timothy to persevere in the midst of whatever he might be facing. And it becomes our ultimate call to persevere in whatever might be going on in our lives. And that's what I want to share with you tonight. I don't know where you are as individuals, but I know that there are a lot of people that are discouraged. I know that there are a lot of churches that are discouraged. Sometimes it's hard not to be discouraged. We read uh, on the Internet. You know, the Internet has brought us bad news in a much more uh, faster way. (laughs) And we learn all kind of bad news. We learn all kind of bad news about churches. And if you read all that stuff and believe all that stuff, you might be inclined to just say, well, what's what's the use? Let's just close the door. And so I, I speak tonight. From that kind of vantage point of saying, we cannot quit. We must persevere. And I want to talk to you tonight about the ultimate motivation for perseverance. That's what we read in chapter 2, I think, verse 8. When he says, uh, according to the translation I'm reading from, keep in mind Jesus Christ. Risen from the dead descended from David according to my gospel. For this I suffer to the point of being bound like a criminal. But God's message is not bound. This is why I endure all things for the elect, so that they also may obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. During the days of the Civil War, the College of William and Mary in Williamsburg, Virginia, was on the verge of collapse. All the students were away fighting the battle of the Civil War. And because of that, there was no income in order to pay the faculty. And so without students and without a faculty, it wasn't long until the buildings began to fall into disrepair. And things looked bleak. Things looked hopeless. Things looked desperate. But the president of that college, a man by the name of Benjamin Ewell, every single morning walked from his home Across the campus to the chapel there on the campus, and loudly and defiantly he rang the chapel bell. It was his own way of saying, there's a better day that is coming. It was his own way of saying, we're not throwing in the towel. It was his own way uh, of saying that students would be taught in that university setting again. It was his own way of saying that the doors were not going to close. And so day after day after day, ringing at the same hour, that, that bell wasn't going to quit. It's that same kind of spirit that Paul writes to Timothy. We've already said that this letter, in its very basic core, is a letter about perseverance. Things are not good. Paul is in prison. The church is under persecution, false teachers are prevailing everywhere, and Timothy is vulnerable. And Paul writes to his young son in the ministry and in the faith, his young preacher boy, we might say, and gives him this strong reminder to hang in there, to hang on. A message that I think that we need tonight, we... We reached a major point in this letter when when Paul writes simply in verse 8, keep in mind Jesus Christ. So I want to share with you tonight the ultimate motivation that we have to press on. The ultimate motivation that we have to to persevere. and, And in the first place, we understand this. There is the preeminence and the person and the passion of Jesus Christ. That's a lot. But here it is in verse 8, there is the preeminence, uh, there, there is the, the passion, uh, there, there is the person of Jesus Christ. Paul exhorts Timothy, keep your attention on Jesus Christ, or keep in mind Jesus Christ. Other translations that you're looking at tonight may render this a little bit different. Some of them simply say, remember Jesus. That might be an ultimate way of putting it our reason for persevering. Remember Jesus. The literal rendering is probably a combination of all of these translations. A good translation from the original language might be something like this. Keep on remembering. Paul is saying more to Timothy than just remembering the one-time event of the resurrection. But he is saying to Timothy, keep on remembering. Thus Keep your attention on Jesus Christ. What should we keep on remembering about about Jesus? First of all, we remember that He is risen from the dead. You see that there in in verse 8? Keep in mind this about Jesus Christ. First, He is risen from the dead. Again, this is more than just a past historical event of the resurrection. But we are to remember the power of the resurrection. We are to remember that in His resurrection, we live. We are to remember that because of His resurrection, He is forever with us. This is His preeminence. Commentator of the Bible of another generation, William Barclay, said of this text, Here is the great... Christian inspiration. We do not depend on our memory, however great that memory might be. We enjoy the power of a presence. When a Christian is summoned to a great task that he cannot but feel that is beyond him, he must go to it in the certainty that he does not go it alone, but that there is with him forever in the presence and the power of his risen Lord. When fears threaten, when doubts assail, When inadequacy depresses, remember the presence of the risen Lord. That's his preeminence. But there is also, in the resurrection, the remembrance of the person of Jesus. The phrase here in verse 8 is uh, descended from David. We might first think that that, at first glance, is just some sort of... uh, Gene- genealogical reference to who Jesus is. But I think that it is a reminder here that he is descended from a man. I think here is the reminder to us that, that Jesus, while God, was very much human, that the suffering that he endured was very much real, that his deity did not keep him from feeling the pain or the agony of life and death. This is, what, this is what motivates us in our own suffering. This is what motivates us in our own lives. We remember Jesus. We remember that He is risen from the dead. That gives us the fact that He is always with us. We remember that he has descended from David that reminds us of his humanity, that he has gone through all that we will go through, yet yet without sin. But then there in verse eight is also a reference to it's also a reference to His passion. What was Jesus' passion? The gospel. According to my gospel, Paul says. Remember that gospel simply means good news. Remember that when he endured, he endured for our good. He endured for our salvation. He endured so that we would overcome. He endured so that we could be reconciled to God. He endured so that we could be forgiven. He endured ultimately so that we could have eternal life in him. This is the good news. This is the good news we were singing about. This is the very reason. That we cannot quit. The preeminence, the person, the passion of Jesus. That's what we discover in verse 8, but, but Paul doesn't stop there. And we move to verse 9. We discover a, a second motivating reason for perseverance. And that is the power of the Word of God. Notice what he says in verse 9, for this I suffer to the point of being bound like a criminal. But God's message is not bound. It's Paul's way of reminding us that there is power in the word of God. He was bound by the authority so that he would be shut up. He was bound by the authority so that he would no longer preach the gospel. But what Paul was relaying to Timothy is that the gospel was still being declared because the word of God was still there and the word of God was powerful. I would guess tonight that in this congregation, some of you men are Gideons. Is that right? Raise your hand if you're part of the Gideons. Nobody? Well, you know who they are, don't you? The Gideons exist because they believe in the power of the word of God. They believe that somebody coming across a copy of the Word of God, reading the Word of God, God by His Holy Spirit working through the reading of His Word, people come to know Jesus Christ. That's the power that Paul is referencing in verse verse 9. Verse 8, motivating factor is Jesus. In verse 9, the motivating factor is the Word of God. Paul starts by indicating his being bound, but then he quickly moves to the reference that the Word of God is never bound. Though his ministry may be hindered for a moment, the ministry of the Word is never hindered. This ought to motivate us. This ought to remind us that our our work of evangelism and witness is not dependent upon us. And I am so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that if we would call it our success in ministry, although we probably don't even like that term, but to give some gauge of measurement to it, that our success in ministry is not dependent upon us, but it is upon the power of the resurrected Lord and the power of the Word of God. I have a long-term seminary friend who, Reggie, is from Drew, Mississippi. So there I do have another Mississippi friend. Stan has given his life to um, the IMB and uh, has been now since his graduation, graduation from seminary in Uganda. When he first went to Uganda, he was part of um, a translation team uh, with Wycliffe Bible Translators, because in the village of people, the people group that he was assigned to, there was no written copy of the Word of God. There's a very good reason for that. There was no alphabet of the people. There were no books of any kind. The people did not have an alphabet. They had a language, but they had no alphabet. And so they began this process of, of developing for the people an alphabet So that ultimately they could teach them to read. Isn't that interesting? So that ultimately they could give them the Bible. Well, several years into that project, that became overwhelming. And thankfully, and many of you know this already because of your church's missions involvement, uh, the IMB and other missions organizations struck upon this idea of storying the Bible. Telling stories about the Bible, and thus, when there's not an available translation of the Word of God, they get the stories of the Bible—stories that that all of us know. And so they be- go into these villages and begin to just relay in their own language the stories that all of us uh, know from the Bible. And Stan tells a story about st- taking a step back from that and assessing all of all of what they were all of what they were doing. And they begin to communicate as leaders, as missionaries, about what they were hearing among the village people. And, and he, he wrote about Mawa. And Mawa said in this experience after hearing some of the stories of the Bible, when, when a problem came upon me in the past, I used to groan and complain and cry, what can I do? But now I know that I can pray. And God answers. And then he wrote about grace. And grace said, although... I have been a Christian for many years. Formerly, when I sinned, it didn't bother me. But now I know the stories of the Bible. When I sin, I don't want to sin anymore. And when I pray, I find my prayers are being answered. Now, hear what's happening. Stan puts it in perspective in his newsletter. He says, As the group discussed a close relationship with God, we were able to conclude that some common things were happening in their lives by learning the Word of God and obeying it. Number one, they were learning that they had the ability to face temptation. Number two, their ability to trust in God was growing. And thirdly, their prayers were being answered. And then Stan writes, and here's what I want you to hear. He says, it's interesting that we had not done any specific teaching about prayer our temptation, our even trusting God. However, collectively, the stories we're doing this, the power of the Word of God, speaking to the very areas of need of those individuals' lives, that's why we can't quit. Because we know the power of the resurrection, and we know the power of the Word of God, then when we come to verse 10 we learn a third ultimate reason to persevere and that is the purpose of our work this is why i endure paul writes so they also might obtain salvation we are reminded here of the purpose of our work our purpose is eternal once we realize the full scope of the eternal nature of our work, we cannot quit. We cannot quit. There is no work that is greater than a church and as individuals telling other individuals about Jesus Christ and, and, and knowing that some will be saved and, and knowing that that work is eternal. That's why we can't stop. That's why we must go on. That's why we must persevere. There's a whole new generation of college students that will be coming to your city in just a few weeks. That's why you can't quit. Many of you have heard the stories across the years of uh, Jim Elliott and his fellow missionaries. Their story was put to movie form in a movie that I believe was called Beyond the Spear. I remember watching that movie several years ago. And, and for me, the most poignant part of the movie was not in regards to, to Jim Elliot, although he's the most famous one of them all. But one of the other missionaries by the name of Nate Saint... And Nate was about to embark on, on, on this trip to go into the jungles of, of Ecuador among the Waldani people. And, and, and Nick has a little eight-year-old eight boy, Stevie. And in the movie, and I assume that this is fairly accurate to the real life scene, Stevie says to his dad, because these people was, were known, notoriously known, for being cannibals and killing missionaries. And Stevie, a little eight years old, certainly had heard the stories, and he said, But Diane, please promise that you'll come back. And please promise that, that you'll defend yourself. And please promise if they come for you that, that you'll shoot them and return. And Nate Saint looks at his little eight-year-old son and says, but Stevie, we can't shoot the Waldani. They're not ready yet for eternity. But we are. That's why we can't quit. Our, Our work and our civic affairs of life, all that's going on in political arena of life, that work can be very important. But that work is not eternal. Work and your business career is important, and I'm thankful for every single one of you and, and what you do. But we need to be reminded from time to time that that work, though important, is not eternal. But here, verse 10, describes for us a work that is vitally important because it is eternal. And the purpose of our work, that others may obtain salvation, is that driving force that must keep us going. That must cause us to have perseverance all the way, all the way to the end, to never quit. Then we come to verse 11 through 13, and in these final verses, we discover a final fourth reason that we must not quit, that is the promise of reward. Most believe that verses 11, 12, and 13 are are something of a hymn of the first century church. It sort of reads like that, doesn't it? For if we have died with Him, we also live with Him. If we endure, we will also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He will also deny us. If we are faithless, He remains faithful, for He cannot deny Himself. Notice the things that this hymn then would speak of. It speaks of the judgment, but also the reward to come. And this also compels us to finish, to finish strong. Like, like President Yule, loudly and defiantly going from his home to the chapel, ringing the bell in similar fashion. We, we have gathered tonight, and you will gather again on Sunday, and the Sunday after that, and the Sunday after that. And and in a sense, we gather to, to ring the bell, to remind ourselves to the reading and preaching and singing of God's Word and, and the fellowship that, that this is not over, that we must not quit. We gather to remind ourselves that it doesn't matter how bleak some might say that it is and how bleak that it might appear. We still have a hope in Christ. He is resurrected. He is risen from the dead. He is the descendant of David. We add to those things that Paul mentioned that he is coming again. And we realize again the power that is in the word of God. And we are reminded when we gather of the purpose, the eternal purpose of our work. And if need be, then we are reminded of the promise of the reward that is there. And the reminder of the judgment that is to come. And so so we fight on. We fight on. There was another, I believe, probably a different writer of the New Testament, writer of the, the anonymous writer of the book of Hebrews could have been Paul, but I believe probably somebody other than Paul. And he writes in a very similar fashion, a very familiar refrain of Hebrews chapter 12. To keep our eyes on Jesus. That's what Paul is saying here. To keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I've tried to come tonight to encourage you because somebody here tonight might be ready to say, you know what, what's what's the use? I tell you the answer to that Jesus Christ risen from the dead, coming again. Power of the Word of God, that it does not return void. Though we may preach, and there are no visible results, there are results. We cannot quit because of the purpose of our work. It's eternal. And the promise of the reward that is to come. So don't quit. Don't quit. Did you bow your heads with me tonight? We're going to have a time of commitment. I, I realize that on a Monday night, middle of the summer, that it is likely that you've come tonight because you are already a believer in Jesus Christ. But I still want to just pause a moment because there might be someone who is here tonight that you've never, you've never fully come to place a place of belief that Jesus is risen from the dead and that He is Lord. But tonight, tonight you're ready to say, I do believe. May still have some questions, but to that question you would say, I do believe. I want you to come and take Brother Reggie by the hand and express to him the commitment that you're making to the belief that Jesus is Lord. and He's Lord because he's resurrected from the grave but I really speak to the Christian tonight. You might have believed that you've come to a place in your life where it's okay just to sort of sit and soak. And I want to say to you tonight that this church and this community and this world and those thousands of college students right down the street from you need you to stay in the fight and need you to persevere. our world needs you to persevere. And I speak to you tonight as a as a fellow Christian who understands that sometimes it looks hopeless. And so I want you to reaffirm your commitment tonight to the to the local church because we need each other and we need to come ring the bell together to just remind ourselves that there's a better day that's coming. And I speak to you tonight as an individual who, for a variety of reasons, maybe it's because of your marriage, maybe it's because of your child, maybe it's because of your job, maybe it's because of what's happening in Israel, and you just say, you know what, I just don't think it's worth it anymore. And I want to say to you tonight, remember Jesus. Remember Jesus so our Father tonight, we thank you for your word because we realize that there is power in your word. And I pray that the Holy Spirit tonight would take this holy word and where I've messed up tonight, God, in, in, by the power of your spirit and because of the power of your word, you will fix all my mistakes and you will speak to the heart of every individual who's here tonight. And yet you'll cause us all again to see the wonderful hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Resurrected. Descendant of David. Coming again. Lord, I pray tonight for the Temple Baptist Church here in Ruston, Louisiana. That you will set them on fire. And use them to make disciples here in Ruston and across the world through their missions going and giving. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's be standing tonight. Pastor's going to come. I just want to invite you to come as the Lord would move in your life.